0: What's going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we are going to take a look at the NBA Conference Semifinals and break down how each matchup is progressing. Next, we move over to the NFL, where we go over all the major signings and roster cuts that happened over the weekend, as all 32 teams needed to cut their rosters down to 53 players. Finally, we give our NFC predictions for the year, as well as a special bonus NFL superlative prediction. All that and much more coming your way right now. Nick, how's it going? How's your week? You look like you're in a different location (laughs) Yeah. once again.
1: Yeah, I seem to be changing locations quite often, don't I? The world Uh, traveler over here. uh, Luckily, this time I'm not in a hotel, except when I was in a hotel... I seem to have better internet than this time. Uh, I don't know what turkeys <laughs> you're living with
0: right now, but they need to upgrade their internet. Uh, those turkeys are my parents. So <laughs> <laughs> your parents act like I'm adopted. Hello. I mean, only if you're lucky. <laughs> Just. <joking. laughs>
1: uh,
0: well, I hope you're enjoying your time out there. Um, yeah, you know. can't complain. Can't complain. You know
1: gotta gotta love the caribbean or wherever they're living now hey as long as i still have access to sports i'm fine you know i don't really need anything else and the nba nfl right around the corner dude can we talk about this for a second before we jump into everything we have
0: for today let's talk about this for a sec we have the nba playoffs right yeah the nhl playoffs for those who are watching me uh And the start of the NFL football season, I don't know of a better time right now. Like, this is what 2020 needed right here. This culmination
1: of everything just like right here, you know, just take our mind off of everything. It's absolutely amazing. Now, the one thing I've been trying to figure out is we've never had the NBA playoffs at the the same time the NFL is starting. So who's going to take the hit? Is the NFL going to take the hit or is the NBA going to take the hit? I
0: think you're going to see the viewership the going. You're going to see the NBA not not play on Sundays. You watch. What yeah, about Monday nights? Been, uh, maybe I guess play. They might be playing during the day on Monday. Maybe it's some, I, like like six thirty game. Think about it though. Like we're we're well into the the this series for yeah. e- for each side.
1: Mm-hmm. We're going to be cutting it down to one game per side soon. So that's true. Yeah, and I guess it really depends on who your team is if they're still in it. Like, you might not care if you're a Knicks fan or a Golden State fan. You know, it really doesn't matter to you. I have a question. What's up? What's a Knicks fan? I, I can't find uh, those. It's just uh, somebody who, who crawls around all day crying, might be in a fetal position. <laughs> Man, they are in a tough way
0: out in New York. You know, I, I kind of feel for them. I, I do. I, I,
1: I, I mean, can, can we just say I that? All I see when I look at them is the word pain with a period, just pain. I mean, can we come to a conclusion that if you're a Nick and a Jet fan, you're just a simp? Like you, well, you are I, too. I don't know about all that. <laughs> you're just too scared to move on at this point. Everybody's giving you the green light to choose a new team, and you're like, "Nah, I'm gonna stick with this. I'm gonna do what they t- they tell me to do." I think there's just something to
0: say about somebody who sticks with their team through thick and thin, and you know they're just going through the hardships. I mean, just take a a normal New York fan right now. The Mets are doing eh. The Yankees are more injured than you know, uh, you know retirement home. Uh, <laughs> at this point, the Jets. I don't know what the hell is going on over there. They they can't f- seem to figure out what a first down is. No, they still um, got laser beams as their coach. So that's true. Uh, the New York Knicks. I mean, if James Dolan's still heading up that team. You know, best of luck to him. I mean, as a New York fan, the only thing you got is the Rangers. Uh, I guess the Islanders, but uh, the, you know, they just got thrashed by the by the Lightning in the first game, eight to two. I mean, yeah. the Lightning again, the best offensive team in the NHL. Not surprising that they went off for eight goals in game one. Uh, they gave the Bruins everything that they can handle, and the Bruins were one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL, going into the into the break. So, oh yeah, I don't know i feel for new york fans i all i all i'm gonna say is stick it out stay in it uh you know i'm pulling for you except for the jets i hate the jets and you know uh, i'm i'm happy they're doing poorly but other than that you know stick it out you'll you'll get through it all right Onto a relevant side of sports outside of uh, New York, <laughs> and uh, that would be the NBA conference semifinals. So where we currently stand right now, I'm just going to run right through it quickly. The Raptors and the Celtics. Celtics are up three to two. The Bucks and the Heat. The Heat are up three to one. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, the Lakers are tied one to one with the Rockets and Nuggets. Clippers. Clippers are up two to one. So I just want to go back. The Raptors. Celtics. I gotta say. This looked like it was going to be an absolute blowout, uh, you know, of a series, right? It, yeah. it was on the verge of hitting three zero, and then all of a sudden, one little turkey named OG Ananobi decides to hit a game-winning <laughs> shot on a perfect rainbow pass from Kyle Lowry, who's all of about five foot five. Rainbow passes it over seven foot, uh, six. seven six Taco Fall. Yeah right into the shooting pocket of OG Nobi. so the pass was perfect, and he literally just hits it in stride, and then ring around the rosie right down in, and ends my dreams of a of a sweep of Toronto, but on top of that, the Celtics were, you know, just morally just gone after that, and they ended up giving out uh, giving up uh, game four as well so the the raptors tied two to two and then it seemed like uh, last night's game uh, as of time of recording last night's game was just an absolute blowout i believe they won by over 20 points um the largest lead was 27 points with all starters yeah in it, and it was i think just, it was 111 to 89 so I mean, yeah, it's complete yeah blowout. it's it was one of those incredible like the celtics they've they had gotten beat down uh with the with the last point last second three-pointer by og and then they didn't bring the hustle in game four because they were just so emotionally drained and i think kemba walker he, he said after the game that he emotionally challenged the hearts of the players in that locker room and said show me what you got and i think they responded magically
1: yeah no they uh they definitely showed up in game five without a doubt that game was an absolute blowout and then that's exactly what they needed everybody knows that the game game five uh when it's a tied up series is is huge you need to have that game if you want to win the series i believe they said it's 82 percent of teams who win game five move on to win the series and uh, especially for the Celtics, who who just don't play well from behind. They need to have that advantage moving into it. I think I think they're more comfortable with the lead. I think that they they just play better. And, and you know what? They they they've been doing this without Gordon Hayward, and, and all props to him because losing a guy like that in the playoffs, and, and that that's just a huge loss. I I, I it's very, extremely hard for anybody to come back from that, and they've been able to to uh, rally around each other and 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 hats off to brad stevens for for being able to coach these guys up and and getting them to do what they need to do and as as much criticism as i have for brad stevens he is a great coach he has done exactly what he has needed needed to do and and it's it's shown that the celtics are a better team than the toronto raptors for sure I think that I think the Celtics are and that's
0: just not being a homer I think I think people take a look at the Celtics and they have a lot of unproven entities right you have Kimball Walker who ha- found personal success in Charlotte but never team success so he's not kind of looked at as somebody who can make a deep run in the playoffs then you have Jason Tatum uh, who's still very young obviously only 21 years old and um, you know he's an incredible budding superstar. He's going to be one of those household names that you have throughout the uh, throughout the NBA. Um, but he he's still young, right? Uh, and obviously, you know um, Jalen Brown, one of one of those guys as well. And uh, you know when you're throwing a guy like uh, Daniel Tice out there or uh, Robert Williams, most of these uh, non NBA geeks don't know who these guys are. They're like who? There's no shot that these guys are are beating down on Marc Gasol, Pascal Siakam, uh, Serge Serge Ibaka. Ibaka... Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry, OG and OB, like, those are household names. And it also helps that the Raptors made it to the finals last year. So any NBA fan who was watching all all year last year saw most of these guys last year, got to be more acquainted with them, and them having the two-seed kind of gives that, uh, you know, idea that, hey, even without Kawhi, they, they were still able to figure it out and win. And, you know, props props to Kyle Lowry and those guys, Nick Nurse, you know, I know we have a, our personal beef with with Kyle Lowry because he cries more than a newborn. But at the end of the day, like you know, they play their hearts it's, out, and it's it, it's yeah. pretty incredible to watch.
1: No, it definitely is. But I, I, I want to harp on that for just a small sec. Kyle Lowry, I I I thought LeBron cried a lot. No, Kyle Lowry, he just continues on and on. He'll he'll get uh, or he'll he'll get called for a foul, and the guy will go to the line. And for both shots, he's just crying to the refs, and they just stand there and take it. I'm just like tee him up you know just do something like make him back off you got to teach this guy a lesson he can't he's he's not that big of a star that he's able to just get away with these things just crying to the refs all the time that's just See, not how the, it, this is working
0: so that that i think that's the difference in our thinking though because i don't care how big of a star you are i'm sick and tired of the players just bitching to the refs all the time and excuse my language but I, i'm really tired of these players going up and down the court and then they think they get fouled or or they do get fouled and it's not called you know what it's going to get called or it's not you yelling at the ref is not going to do anything but piss them off and that's the last thing you want going down the floor again is for that ref to get angry what you need to do is at a timeout I, I've seen a lot of players do this Kemba Walker one of the best at doing this right Daniel Tice even one of the best at doing this when there's a timeout when there's a stoppage in play he goes over to the ref and he goes listen this is what I felt I want to hear what you have to say the ref will then explain it they say okay that's not how i saw it that's not how i felt it if you can look at look at this for next time and then i've seen it transpire into them calling that same exact play a foul the next time down the floor it it, it, there's all about approach and if you if i think the nba players need to learn to do that and listen i've been in the game right i understand i've played basketball i know that you just want to you got to get it out That's fine, but these refs have to start taking a little more control of the emotions of these players and the coaches. You like Nick Nurse a lot, and we we talk about this. He gets on my nerves more than anybody else because I don't know who yells
1: at the refs more, Kyle Lowry or Nick Nurse. I think it's just a reflection of the coach. Right, yeah, but I like how Nick Nurse just stay, he sticks up for his players, and and that's what I would do if I was a coach. I would stick up for my players. I would get in the in the ref's face. I would I would do what I need to to get my point across to show my players that that I'm. With but you them. also I'm, need I'm to stay out here. on the floor, which he's no, like I, I, that's threatening his ability to do that.
0: We're also talking about the coach of the year here. We're talking about the guy who brought his team to a championship
1: last year. You know, this this guy uh, Kawhi had, had, brought that team to a championship. Don't don't get it twisted. <laughs> you know what? It was Nick Nurse who who put the entire thing together. I, you know what? Ka- Kawhi I think, definitely. I don't think you know. I don't think he did. I, I think uh, the GM had a little say in that. You know. You know it is what it is. But I I, I like Nick Nurse, and and we saw it yesterday. One one thing I, I saw was. Kyle Lowry kept crying, 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 and Serge Ibaka says one thing, and then they give him a technical. And I'm like, Serge Ibaka is a bigger star in this league than Kyle Lowry is up to this point. He has a bigger name in this league, and and he says one thing and, and gets teed up where Kyle Lowry can just continue to go on and on and cry and, and just gets away with it, and that's what I'm sick of. I'm because he, he knows he can get away with it, and so he just c- consistently does it. And it's just it's so annoying to see. And the, and then you hear commentators just like agreeing with him, like yeah, he needs to stick up for himself. These calls are, are crap, and you know what? It, it's just so ridiculous. It's it's not the case. These refs always seem to be biased against the Celtics. And call me Homer if you want, but it's that's just how it seems. You know, Kyle Lowry. Is, is really nothing. He, he was uh, a poor backup uh, with, with Kawhi, and uh, he, he, he still hasn't proven to be anything. Yeah, I, I can point out so many other backups who, who have come to to be more for their teams uh, in recent history. I mean, I'll even take Chris Middleton last night, who who, who put the team on his back when, when Giannis went down. And uh, I'm sorry, that was two nights ago. Um, when, when, when Giannis went down and, and Chris Middleton st- uh, stepped up. but um, Kyle you know, Lowry has put this Raptors team on his back, though. It's not just him, though. OG Ananobi won them that one game. Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, this team is stacked. It's not just Kyle Lowry. People want to think it's just Kyle Lowry. It's not.
0: I understand that, but he he does do a lot of their scoring, and I mean, if you look at the the first quarters in the games that they won, he led the entire game in scoring in those first quarters, uh, and then he continued on in on that same pace. Uh, he just drives the ball. He he draws charges. Like, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he's just a nuisance to play against, and he gets a lot of buckets. I mean, he's a he can create his own shot. I think he needs help from his supporting cast because when they have struggled, if you look at the three games the Celtics have won, uh, Pascal Siakam has been in foul trouble in the third by the third quarter every single time. Last night he had five fouls at the beginning of the third quarter. That's an issue. That's I think that's one of that's their second best player, and he and he's got five fouls at the at the start of the
1: third. That's an issue that the Raptors need to address. Listen, I'm not trying to put you in a position where you have to defend this crybaby Kyle Lowry. So, you know what? I'm fine with saying Kyle Lowry needs to cut the crap. He needs to start playing basketball, prove what he can do on the court, let his game show what he can do, and speak for itself. Because I think, right I from- think he has
0: all the talent in the world. I think he's a very good player. He's definitely an all-star in my eyes, but I, he does need to stop yelling at the refs every time down the floor it gets it just gets annoying after a while
1: uh you know that's I'll, where- I'll be i'll be happy in two days when he's uh out of the bubble and uh back in his country oh in toronto
0: yeah oh get him okay out. Get i was out. like well i'm pretty sure he's american so he's
1: american but he lives in toronto
0: go back we don't want <laughs> you anymore um Good and riddance. before we move on from this, you need to give Masai Ujiri all the credit in the world over Nick Nurse for putting this team together. I need you to. He- I need to hear you oh say, my it. God. say it. Say <laughs> it. I'm not going to say it. Nick Nurse has done a great job. I hate. I hate you. Continue right. doing what you do, Nick.
1: <laughs> great let's, name, let's, by the way. Oh
0: God, <laughs> terrible name. Um, the next, the other series in the East, by the by the way, has been quite the the mind effer, if you will, uh, the Bucks and the Heat. This, I thought, was going to be interesting. And if you recall, I talked about how the Heat match up very well with the Bucks, and they're going to give them a lot of issues in this series. I didn't think it was going to go 3-0, and then the Bucks were going to lose Giannis on top of it, right? So, holy hell, what, what have you seen in this series? What has gone
1: on? Well, I think what happens is we saw that... Before Giannis got hurt, the entire team, the entire offense was running through Giannis, and right. so Miami just doubled up on him, and he couldn't shoot, so no one was able to shoot. And as soon as he goes down, the team plays what they, they, the team moves the ball around, they get it to the open guy. It's not the go-to guy. There isn't this one guy that has to get the ball like LeBron James. You know, it, it's just whoever's open, and that's why they won the the game four. You know, if the, if Giannis had stayed healthy and and stayed throughout that game, they probably would have lost that game because he, it's, it's always got to go through him no matter how hurt he is. And, and and that's just not how you need to build a team. You need to have a, a team where it's well-balanced, where everybody has a fair share, where it goes to the open guy. It doesn't have to be your star every single time. And so I think that Miami, they have, a, they have Jimmy Butler, but he knows how to distribute the ball. He knows how to get it to these guys. And I'm going to say their names again, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who consistently are able to put buckets up because they're good players. They're just not household names. But we, we see what, what it's resulted in, and, and they went up 3-0 in the series. But if, if, Giannis can, if Giannis continues to be hurt, which it looks like for uh, tonight's game as we're recording, he will be missing this game. Yeah, I, I believe I believe that the Bucs still have a shot to, to stay alive in this series because they're going to continue what they did last game and move the ball around. Chris Middleton's going to go off again. He was absolutely sensational for them, and I think that's going to continue to play dividends, uh, just moving that ball around, continuing to, to find the open man. And and get keep those big men out there, and I think Miami has a gaping hole in their defense. They they don't play good defense. Uh, they have some poor offensive players at times. When you have Kelly O'Linnick out there and Jamison Crowder, they're just not great shooters, and and they take the open shot when they have to, but. Uh, it, it, it's just that, like, there was a stretch in that game where they went five five minutes without scoring a, a single point. And it's because you have those guys out there at the same time. It's just, it's not a good fit. And so they have depth issues at, on offense. Uh, that they, they need to work out. But you know what? I think Eric Spolstra is going to figure out a way to get past this Bucks team. It may not be in Game 5, but I think by Game 6, that, that'll be the, the last one. And, and I don't think that's enough for Giannis to get back in time. I think they'll be able to to figure out a way to, to get past this uh, team ball that the Bucks are playing now. And uh, that'll, that'll be the wraps, and, and we'll be moving on to uh, the conference finals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Wow, that was a lot of talking. Um, <laughs> the The Heat have definitely matched up well, like I said. Uh, Giannis going down hurts the Bucks, even though uh, Eric Bledsoe and and Chris Middleton are gonna handle most of the scoring. You still have Brooke Lopez. You still have uh, you know plenty of guys that you can defer to on that team. I think Jimmy Butler is and. Um, Remind me of the coach down in Miami, um, Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler are going to craft and devise a plan that is going to attack the teeth of that defense with athleticism because the most athletic player on the floor was Giannis Antetokounmpo, and now that he is gone, it is now Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is going to become the slasher that we know him to be. He is going to be cutting on on the uh, baseline he's going to be driving and kicking out uh, you talk about uh, Tyler Hero and uh, Duncan Robinson don't forget about Goran Dragić don't forget about Bam oh, Adebayo don't oh, yeah. Kelly hits his fair share of three-pointers uh he, so sure. he, he's right right there on the on the uh, perimeter um and and the, don't forget they have the veteran leadership of Andre Iguodala I mean Iggy is one of those guys that even though he may not put up a ton of points or get you know fill up the stat sheet what he's doing is defending really well and providing leadership and focus and energy and that's exactly what you need from that 7th 6th 7th or 8th guy that's coming into the rotation because mind you again for those of you who may be unfamiliar in the NBA Specifically in the playoffs, they shrink their rotation down. Not everybody is getting a rest at the, you know, that you want as much of your starting five out there as humanly possible. So what they do is they try to shrink the rotation to seven, maybe eight players, and that's it. So I mean, you're like, look, if you look at the Raptors, not to take away from this series, but Kyle Lowry hasn't come out for more than a couple minutes except for last game after when they were getting blown out uh he played over 40 minutes every game uh for the first three games so you know that's one of the things that you have to watch out for and with Giannis out I think I think the Heat are going to look to try to really lock this one up without him they don't want to give them a chance to to come back and and really come come at uh you know give give it back to him you know yeah um so right now it's looking like the uh, the Heat are probably gonna move on unless there's a, a second coming with Milwaukee that you know we haven't seen. Um, that'd be pretty incredible. It'd be the first time a team has ever come back from three zero in the in the uh, NBA playoffs to to win a series. So you know, who know It could happen. Uh, also, the the Raptors Celtics. I I would like to say that the Celtics have this, but it depends on the energy level that they come out with and and how they come out in in. Game six because it's going to truly be up to the players and and how they respond and uh, I know Kyle Lowry and OG and those guys, those boys are going to be ready to play that's for damn sure they're they're not happy with how, how Game five ended uh, then we're just going to move over to the Western Conference the Lakers and Rockets they're they're tied one one. Um, What I've seen is that the Rockets are going to live and die by their shots. Uh, They're going to play iso ball like they do. They have Eric Gordon. They have James Harden. They have uh, Russell Westbrook. All those guys play iso ball. They're going to get their switches. They're going to get the matchups they want. And then they're going to try to score however necessary. And they're going to continue on doing what they do. Uh, Outside of that, the Lakers... You, you know who it runs through. It runs through LeBron. It run, runs through AD. Kyle Kuzma gets his, and, you know, they share it with the big men. Outside of that, not much else. Um, it's it's very – it's a star-studded matchup, but it's it's very – ball hoggy this entire series is. watching these guys like it's very isolated. It's very one player has the has the ball. They may pass it once, but they t- they get it right back and then they drive to the basket or they, or they pull up for a, a fadeaway or a you know, a, a step back jumper or whatever it is. Um it the I don't wanna say it that it's boring, but I've seen this I've seen this game before. I've seen the Rockets and the Lakers It's going to come down to whether the Rockets are making their shots and whether the Lakers can, uh, you know, secure them defensively. Outside of that, the Lakers really shouldn't have much of a problem here, honestly.
1: Yeah, no, you pretty much said it, and, and I agree. I think the Lakers, you know, they, they lost game one, and I think that was really a fluke. But And we saw in game two the Lakers came back. They had a pretty solid lead when they won that game, and I think that's how it is because, to me, the Lakers have, like, they have it all. They have speed, they have power, they have height, and they know how to move the ball in transition. They know how to outbody you, and that's exactly what the Rockets don't have. They're smaller guys. They, they, they like to drive to the basket. I mean, you have Harden who can, who can step back on anybody, but for the most part, they don't have many people who, who can match up properly with the Lakers. And I think the Lakers are going to find their groove in this series, and I think they already have. And they're about to run away with this. So I I don't think this is really an issue for the Lakers. I I just think that the Rockets merely got lucky in the first game, and and the Lakers are gonna easily move on in the series. I could see the Rockets winning
0: another game in the series. I could see it going to six, but I, I'd you honestly know. be surprised. I, I would really be surprised if the Rockets won one more. Yeah. All it takes is for James Harden, and and Russell Westbrook or. Eric Gordon some combination of those three players to go off and you know just go on a a scoring spree and I don't think the Lakers have the depth to uh to work with with what the Rockets have, and they don't have the defensive versatility to be able to switch every single time. They run a lot of pick and roll in Houston. They are you know a lot of bait and switch, and they try to get these guys on on probable matchups for them, and they want to attack these guys whether it's uh, you know Russell Westbrook heading to the basket or James Harden on his step back jumper. Um, you know it it doesn't matter. They they have it set who they want their switches to, and that's all they're gonna work for. They're gonna work for those switches because. That's what happens in today's NBA. Nobody fights over screens. Nobody tries to uh, overcorrect when they have to go under the screen. There's so many issues that the Lakers have, but because they have such talent on their team with LeBron and AD, they can get away with it. I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, a, a team like Toronto who 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 has, you know, plenty of talented players and they're very deep. That's great, but then you have two talented, two of the most talented players on Los An- on the Los Angeles Lakers, and they can just body roll any team because they have LeBron James, who is a physical specimen, and then Anthony Davis, who can either you know hit it from the perimeter or he can take it to the basket, and he's almost a seven footer at power forward. It's just it's you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we saw that in the last game. It was AD and LeBron who scored 62 points combined. And I think that's that's what you're going to get most games is these guys aren't hot and cold, hot and cold like the Celtics. You know, they, they, they are always consistent. They always have like a minimum of 22, 24 points a game. And that you know you can expect Roughly half the points from of the of that of the Lakers to come from those two players, and then when, and and that means you have to really try to stop them. But when you do that, you're leaving the rest of the team open, and all those guys can hit their shots. So it's an extremely tough matchup for any team, and that's why they're so dominant this year. Yeah, for sure.
0: I think um the I think the other matchup in the West is uh, much more uh, in. It, it's much more fun to watch, uh, oh. the Nuggets and the Clippers. The, the Clippers lead the series 2-1 to one right now over the Nuggets, but that's not because the Nuggets haven't given them any issues. The, every game has basically come down to the wire. Uh, the Nuggets are very deep, very talented team, l- led by 50-ball Jamal uh, Jamal Murray, just absolutely lighting up stat sheets. Uh, and then you have the Claw and Playoff P on the other side of the ball. Um it's very interesting because the Clippers, you know, they have they have some really really good role players. Montrezl Harrell. Um, you're talking about uh, Patrick Beverly. I don't know if he's playing just yet. I have I haven't seen him out there, but I, yes, but he he's been out there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know he he did play in the first series, but nonetheless, yep. I mean, they have some. Really talented players that they can shovel off to. The only issue is they can't deal with the size of Denver. Nikola Jokic is eating with them because Montrez Harrell, who sits at what six ten, right? He mm-hmm. he's got a guard seven one Nikola Jokic, who's one of the best centers in the league. I mean, they're just they're just throwing it up, lobbing it up to him, and then you got Jamal Murray, who can put anybody any defender on skates, and then you know. You have to save Kawhi Leonard for the offensive side so they're not trying to use him on the on the defensive side too much. Um And they can only score so much. Everything has to come from these depth pieces, the the other players on the team. And I think at this point uh, what we've seen is that, you know, Denver knows how to attack them, especially in in the depth. And Michael Porter Jr., great depth piece that people forget about. He can score at will. He can create his own shot, and he's coming off the bench. Uh, I I just think it's one of those incredible things that Denver truly – has what it takes to to knock off a team like the Clippers. I know how bad everybody wants to see a Clippers-Lakers conference final. Don't be surprised if Denver knocks off the Clippers, even though they're down 2-1. to one. I think I see this entire series going 7.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know how much I like Denver. I, I've been rooting for them throughout the playoffs, and the one thing I have against them is what what I've seen in this series is they get really hot throughout a game and then they'll get really cold. And and we saw this last night where they were up by twelve going in uh up to the half and then they let the clippers come back and tie and tie it up. And and, and they'll go up a little bit and they'll and then they'll let a team come back on them. And they, they just don't strange. know how to maintain a lead. They give up that lead because they it's like they exhaust themselves. Uh, through like 5 minutes of a quarter and then the last 7 they're just trying to catch their breath and they let everybody drive past them and so that's that's a huge problem if you want to get past a team like the Clippers or the Lakers you need to be able to sa- sustain yourself throughout the throughout the entire game and that's what i haven't seen i need to see more consistency from the entire team if i really if they really have a chance of of moving on and representing the west in the finals
0: no, so I, uh, I i agree with you and you know, for us on the East Coast, it's a little tough because the games start so damn late. But the fact remains is that that Game 3 was one of the most exciting basketball games that I've seen in a long time outside of Celtics Game 3. Um, Nuggets All Clippers thanks to Playoff run. P. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, you know, the Nuggets, they match up well. They do they do well with the Clippers struggle against, and I think that, that provides for excuse me a really good chess match between these two teams because they have to figure out what's more important on a specific day is Kawhi being the defensive player that he he's known to be is that more important can can paul george take the load of the scoring off of Kawhi leonard um you know can, can they split it evenly and they they switch on defense um you know, or or is like, is it Fifty Ball Jamal lighting up the the stat sheet again? You know, do, do they have to figure that out? So I, there's a, a whole hell of a lot of things that need that are uh, they need to kind of figure out. And that I mean, listen, Doc Rivers is one of the best NBA coaches that I've ever seen. Uh, he's he's been here before. He knows it. He understands it. He's got. He's going to have this team ready. And then you have. Kawhi Leonard who's won two championships with two different teams under both Nick Nurse and Greg Popovich he's been under some incredible coaching in his entire throughout his career he knows what he's doing. Now it's time to get the rest of the team on board. I'm sure they're, they're you know, following his leadership, but the fact remains that they need to play like it, and it seems to me like only the two stars have been playing lights out, and the other guys are a little too streaky, like you've been saying. So I think at this moment, this is this is one of the matchups that, even if you aren't a fan of either one of these teams, this is the basketball that you should be watching.
1: No, yeah, for sure. This is the matchup to watch. And, and you know, I'll stay up after every Celtics game. Luckily, they're right after. So I just, you know, it's just a night of basketball. And I, I can't wait to watch Nuggets Clippers. It's Like you said, all three games have been extremely close. Uh, even if, if you watch Utah Jazz versus Denver Nuggets in the first series, that was extremely close for all seven games. So, you know, the, the, it's always come down to the wire with the Nuggets. And I think they need to show a little bit more consistency if they want to prove that they are better than the Los Angeles Clippers. For sure. Uh, I just
0: got some uh, breaking news uh, on my phone. About 15 minutes ago, this was announced. The NBA will be moving back both the draft and free agency dates. uh, And the league and the Players Association have agreed to push back both of them. They were set for mid-October. The new dates have not been uh, determined just yet but they are tbd at this moment so um for those of you that are looking you know maybe your team isn't in the playoffs that, that's good to know uh the teams aren't going to just you know end the finals and then right back into it they're they're still going to have some time we're still going to have some uh a little rest period before we get back into in, into the swing of things so um and before we we get off this nba topic i, I, I just want to stay here one more second um I like – I don't know about you, but I like the fact that the NBA is this late. Maybe maybe pushed forward a little bit, maybe not this late necessarily, maybe the finals at the end of August or something like that. But you know, personally, I like that the NBA is is finishing up right around the time that football is starting. So this might be something that Adam Silver and company in the league want to look forward to. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not a fan I'd, because I don't like the conflicts. I don't want to be able to have to choose between NBA and NFL. And but that's what I'm saying. I'm always, always going to choose NFL. But you move it forward so that the finals happen by the end of August, Right. I, yeah, but you saw and you saw baseball normally, we're we're pat we're in the second half of baseball and don't give me that look. You know, baseball <laughs> as little as we've been talking about it recently, it, it, it's still relevant. It still has it, it's uh, <laughs> it you still used has that it's still has relevant term very loosely apparently. You know, I I, I looking like at your,
0: record lows
1: for right, the entire what you, season. So what are you supposed to do? Start the entire season after the new year? Yeah, like, I'm not sure what. No, stop utilizing baseball. Nobody wants to watch it. <laughs> or do or do you want them to take a break after the regular season and just start up the playoffs three months later, when the when the uh, summer starts? You are talking about the I, NBA? I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I,
0: I want them to start the season later. I don't want them to start in the end of October, early November. I want them to start. Maybe in January or so. I want them to figure out a way that they can play and end it maybe mid-August, early August, somewhere around there where, where by the time the NBA Finals finish... We're looking maybe week one or week two of the NFL preseason. Like, I want that swift transition. And then hockey can still start at the same time. So the hockey and the NFL, uh, sorry, the hockey and the NBA, they don't have to compete every single time. So maybe it'll work out for the NHL as well. The only one it screws over is MLB. And let's be honest, most people that I talk to at least fall asleep every single time they watch baseball. Something needs to happen with that damn sport. But that is a discussion for another time because, uh, holy. Um, all right. I, I think we've exhausted that. I, ju- I just wanted to bring that up. I, I do think that the
1: NBA should move it, though. It's sure. interesting, but I, it's been done like this for so many years. This is a one-off situation, and they're they're ready to go back to their normal schedule.
0: Well, Adam Silver has already said that he's going to look into the possibility
1: of moving it. So well, I know that I, I know they're gonna the the next season is gonna start in I believe twenty twenty one or the end of twenty twenty. I'm not exactly sure what's st- what the start date is, but it's gonna be somewhere around where you're talking about. So we'll get a good idea next season how it plays out and uh, how it all how it all goes. So it's gonna be a good test kitchen for sure. Yeah. All right.
0: Uh, Let's move on to the next topic. So that would be the NFL. All right. So everything this weekend was just kind of a, it was like a a madhouse in the NFL. (laughs) Every team had to cut from 85 players to 53. Hundreds of players lost their jobs. Some were re-signed to practice squad. Some filled in for players that were put on IR. Um, I would definitely check out your team's new roster. Uh, go to NFL.com or ESPN. Either one of them will have the updated rosters at this point in time, but there's a whole hell of a lot that changed, and uh, you might be interested to see how your team looks post cuts. Um, but we have some uh, surprising cuts, and we're going to do those first. So the I'm going to just list them off, and then we'll, we'll go back. So some of the surprising cuts we had were Adrian Peterson, Mohammed Sinu, Lamar Miller, Ryan Switzer, Haha Clinton Dix, and Shaquim Griffin. <laughs> Adrian Peterson was probably the most surprising, I think. This came out of left field for me. I had no idea that the Redskins oh sorry. Washington football team. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I think that's my first slip-up since this has happened. Um, I don't think the Washington football team had shown any sign of them wanting to cut ties with Adrian Peterson. I don't I don't really know where this came from. I understand that they have a loaded backfield with young talent and that's exactly what Ron Rivera pointed to when they talked when they asked him about the move. But the fact remains is that with young talent needs some veteran leadership and who uh, who better than Adrian
1: Peterson to lead that running back room? well I think Adrian Peterson said it right after he was cut he went on I believe it was radio and said that Ron Rivera is looking to recreate CMC in Washington and they're going to do that with Antonio Gibson who was a wide receiver in college who converted to running back and so I think that's that's exactly who they're looking for and there just is no spot for Adrian Peterson because they are so deep they have JD McKissick they have Bryce Love they have um, uh, Peyton Barber they have all these guys they just don't need Adrian Peterson, and because he's not going to get the workload that he did last year, they're going to say, we're going to give you another chance, we're going to give you an opportunity to go find a job that's going to give you the workload you're looking for, because you're not going to be happy here, and we don't have what you're looking for, so... Let's cut you early and give you that opportunity. And that's exactly what he got in Detroit, a team where DeAndre Swift is still hurt. Kerryon Johnson was going to be the starter, who is technically still the starter according to the depth chart, but we'll see come week one. Uh, well, you know, Adrian Peterson is going to see a lot of reps in that offense because uh, Matt Patricia likes to run the ball. He likes having a, a, a workhorse back in the behind Matt Stafford so I think that's a perfect spot for him uh Bo Scarborough's hurt too Bo Scarborough's hurt um he's uh barely on the roster to begin with so I'm not even worried about him I
0: like Bo Scarborough oh oh, no I,
1: I I loved Bo Scarborough coming out of Alabama but you know what he just hasn't found his footing was it not Alabama no, no, I'm just saying... Oh, okay. You're shaking your head like I'm wrong. I'm, I was pretty sure he was from, Bo- uh, from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. As little as little uh, uh, college football as I watch, I, I I was pretty confident about that one. But you know what? Adrian Peterson, I think it's better off that he's there instead of Washington. And it helps out me because Antonio Gibson is on my fantasy team. So go Antonio Gibson. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I
0: like Detroit as a spot for him. I was... Secretly hoping Adrian Peterson would finally make the move to New England because he flirted with New England before he went to Washington, and then he flirted with New England before choosing Detroit. Um, You know, he deserves a top-back... Type of load. I still think he can handle it. I don't think he's really lost too much of a step. He's obviously not record setting Adrian Peterson, but you know, who is, right? I, there isn't anybody else like him at, back in, what was it, 2008, I believe he still had over a thousand rush yards last season. He so did. This, and he didn't yeah. even start every single game.
1: Yeah, so, so this guy clearly has what it takes to be a premier back in the league at the age of what, 36, 37 years old? 35. But, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh,
0: Adrian Peterson, one of the most prolific backs in NFL history. I think he's a f- surefire Hall of Famer. Um, it's, it was just very interesting to What's that? No,
1: I was just going to say he could be first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: Uh, possibly. Well, with I, all those f- I just thought it was very surprising uh, that it kind of came out of the blue. Like, nobody had an idea that Adrian Peterson was going to be released. I woke up to that news. I was like, excuse me, what? what? <laughs> yeah, no,
1: it was shocking. <laughs> It, it was, it was and it came early in the morning. It was like seven or seven thirty in the morning. Yeah, And anyway, I think it was the Thursday before uh, cuts, so well, they gave him a couple of days, which was nice. You know, you want to be able to do that for the veteran players, who, uh, you know, you give them an opportunity to test out the waters, see see who what teams are out there before the teams go and make their cuts. Now they have AP in their mind when they go to make a cut. They might want to cut one extra person and bring him in, and that's exactly what Detroit did. Yeah, for sure.
0: Another play that was cut on that Thursday was Mohamed Sanu, a former wide receiver for the Bengals, the Falcons, the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots cut Mohamed Sanu. Uh, it saves them $6.5 million in cap space. And uh, overall, uh, this was a terrible deal for the New England Patriots. They gave up a second-round pick to acquire Mohamed Sanu, who was on pace for... I think like 900 receiving yards or something or 90 90 receptions or something crazy. it was it was i think it was 95 receptions 95 yeah. receptions um and he was just it was incredible uh you know he was having a great season he came to new england and just all all momentum stopped uh it just seems like he never really caught on to the playbook. It seems like he never got comfortable with Tom Brady. Then in this offseason, obviously Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay. They bring in uh, Jared Stidham's there for a while. Then Cam Newton comes in late into camp. Cam Newton wins the starting job. Really never got rapport with Mohamed Sanu. Uh, reports coming out of camp, even though... So Mohamed Sanu uh, later in... or uh, Sorry, in the offseason hired a route-running coach to live with him so he could eat, sleep, and breathe route-running and work on work on that. He wanted to work on separation. He wanted to work on his ability to make precise cuts. Um, and everything coming out of camp, everything being reported, was that not only did it not change, but it kind of looked a little worse. It, they said he looked sluggish at the top of routes. He, he couldn't gain separation from defensive backs. Mind you, New England has the best defensive backs in the league as rated by pro football focus. Um, But nonetheless, I mean, you know, iron sharpens iron. And if you're not, if you're not showing out in practice, and there are, there are other people that are that bit, that $6.5 million dollar, cap number looks pretty large at that point in time i think bill belichick and nick casario decided that it was they had seen enough and it was time to let him go try to find a new team before uh final rosters are made or you know in case there's there's
1: an injury that happens and you know they need a player to fill in well yeah i mean the one question i have right now is why haven't the jets called him up why haven't they they need receivers why haven't the niners called him up these are teams that need why haven't the eagles called him up these are all teams that need receivers.
0: The and, Eagles don't he,
1: have money. The Eagles don't the, have money,
0: and they need to figure out their offensive line situation because well, they, signed, just, they signed right guard Jason Peters, and now to move him to left tackle, he's demanding more money. So, he,
1: they, well, he, already, he just agreed to... Uh, move to left tackle. So they they solidified that. They brought in Cordy Glenn. They I guess they didn't like Cordy Glenn. So they they uh, reached an agreement with Jason Peters, and he is moving back to left tackle. But now they have a hole at right guard because Brandon Brooks has, still has a torn ACL. So they they still have holes to work out uh, beyond the receiver uh, receiver group. But there's still plenty of teams that need receivers out there. And Mohamed Sanu is still an elite receiver, at least in my mind. And I think that he belongs on a roster. So why, have, oh, why he is he still available?
0: He absolutely belongs on a roster. Um, I think at this point, belonging on a roster, as we have seen... Doesn't ju- just get the job done. That's why Colin Kaepernick still s- remains unsigned because I believe he could still play in this league. But you have, uh, I'm so who is the guy that the Eagles signed to sit at home?
1: Uh, I don't know who you're talking about.
0: The old quarterback for the oh uh, Josh McCown. Josh McCown. He's literally sitting at home in Texas, and he's on the practice squad for the Eagles in case any of their quarterbacks go down with covid or an injury or whatever. So he's he's not practicing with the team. He's not at the facility. He's literally sitting at home doing nothing. He's not on team calls. He's got the playbook and that is it. Yeah. I don't I don't like but Colin Kaepernick
1: can't find a job, right? Okay. And that, I mean that's a really interesting move too when you have Jalen Hurts as the backup quarterback. Kind of well, shows that they have the, no f- I think he's there to back up Jalen Hurts. That's the issue. I think I think he's he, there is the the, you know, it's it's possible. But I also think that means they don't have, they don't have any trust
0: in Jalen Hurts right now. Well, it's Philly, not Baltimore, so no big trust. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, but. It, I, I, when I'm talking, you know, when you talk about Mohamed Sanu, which is what, where we started with this, he deserves a roster spot somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking about players who are suspended being signed to rosters. Josh Gordon getting a roster spot. I think Mohamed Sanu can provide at least what Josh Gordon does at this point in time. I think he can do that for for any team. Um, I'd be very surprised if a team Atlanta, who he was thriving with. Russell Gage is their number, what, three receiver right now? Why not bring Mohamed Tanu and have him, Calvin Ridley, and and Julio? There's your three right there. You you got the old band back together, and you got a second-round pick out of
1: it. Congratulations. You played yourself, you know? I mean, you're, you're just adding to my point where there are just so many teams that either need receivers or could just use his talent. To, to further their depth at their position. Yeah, but you
0: brought up the Jets, and we know what the Jets are all about. The Jets are about jetting, right? And all they do <laughs> is jet all the time. You, you know what you get with those. San Francisco was an interesting one. They have plenty of uh, issues uh, and injuries at the wide receiver position. Um, a lot of players that they were counting on are not there anymore, so... Uh, I would be, I'd be a little interested to see if Mohamed Sanu could get it going with Kyle Shanahan again. Uh, obviously, don't forget, that was the same Atlanta team uh, Mohamed Sanu was a part of. And, you know, personally, I, I don't know about you, but personally, I like Mohamed Sanu. He's oh, yeah. he's from a town, right, where we're from in New Jersey. Uh, yep. I followed his entire career all the way from high school all the way up until now. I'd like to see him on a team. I like Mohamed Sanu as a person. I think he's really great. Uh, I'd hope to have him on this show one, uh, one day. Uh, that, that's a shout-out if he ever gets to see this. Um, but... For the most part, you know, Mohamed Sanu is one of those guys that he can still perform. He can still get it. New England is a very tough spot for wide receivers. Either you get it or you don't. And and we've seen great players not be able to get it in that wide receiver room. And they go other places and they do just fine. It's because Josh McDaniel's system and the system that they have created is so... I mean, look at what Cam said. He said, this shit's calculus. It is. That's exactly what it is. It's so in-depth. You have to have such an, uh, like a thirst of knowledge for, for the game of football to understand it. If you're just about your job,
1: you're not going to get it done. Yeah. You know what? All, all the best to Mohammed Sanu. I know, I know he'll get a job, and I know he's going to thrive wherever he goes. So best of luck to him wherever that is. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lamar Miller
0: being cut from the Patriots as well. Um, he... Basically, they asked Bill Belichick uh, and Ivan Fears, who's the running back coach in New England, they, they both said, he looks great, he's just not 100% healthy, and there's no reason to keep him on the roster at this point in time if he's not 100% healthy. Um, they did leave the door open, though, in case somebody goes down, even though they just put Damian Harris on IR for the first three weeks of the season, uh, and they signed J.J. Taylor. They said, you know, down the stretch, if somebody goes down, Lamar Miller has a, has a spot in new England if, if he wants to stay there. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see that for sure. Um, Ryan Switzer, big surprise cut coming out of Pittsburgh. That was big Ben's, one of his like dump off guys, um, outside of the, the tight end position, which is now Eric Ebron, uh, Ryan Switzer was the guy, his, his equivalent to Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola, one of those guys you can just throw the ball to two yards, you know, on a slant or whatever, and they, they make the yardage happen
1: after, after the fact. So um, were you surprised about the Ryan Switzer cut? Yeah, no, it definitely was because that's their number three guy. Uh, he's, been, he's been there for years now, and he knows that offense. So uh, unless they, they're really that deep, I know they have Deontay Johnson, who they're high on, who's their, their burner guy. They have Chase Claypool, who's their big body guy, almost like a tight end. And they obviously have Juju. So I think maybe Chase Claypool is just that much better, and he's he's going to take away from Ryan Switzer's time. And there really is no spot for, for Switzer anymore. And they only want one small guy, and that's Deontay Johnson. So...
0: Well, you're talking about completely different physical specimens when you talk about Chase Claypool versus Ryan Switzer. I mean, you're talking about Claypool, who's, what, 6'4", and then Switzer, who's, what, 5'9"? Uh, you know, they're completely different, but they both play the slot position, which is incredible. Uh, I, I think that's one of the most interesting things about football is you can have two guys who look completely different and basically play completely different, but they fill the same exact role. I think that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Um Another, this is pro- another one, probably the second most uh, surprising cut. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix being cut from the Dallas Cowboys at the safety position. This was their star signing. This was the, one of their big free agent acquisitions. The other one being Gerald McCoy, and both of those players are no longer on the team. Uh, but Ha-Ha Clinton Dix wasn't injured like McCoy was. Uh, in fact, they saved only about—they uh, gave him— million and they save about one and a half by cutting him i mean it's it's not it's not for money i don't i don't really understand the move because i believe they need the the veteran leadership on that defensive back um yeah i I take a look i'm thinking about some of their guys they have a lot of young talent back there but they need somebody like haha clinton Dix who's been around this league a little bit to to kind of Anchor, anchor that safety position, and you know, be be the voice in the
1: DB room. Yeah, you know, I don't think ha- ha Clinton Hicks has really been the same player since he was uh, a Packer. You know, he went he went to the Bears. He had an okay first season, and then last year it was he, he was okay at best. And, in and Washington. then, oh, I'm sorry, in Washington, and then uh, he. I just don't think he proved anything with the Cowboys, and that's really interesting because they have absolutely nobody behind him. So that proves that – or that just goes to show that he is nowhere near what he used to be. He's all name and no play at this point, and his days in the NFL are either numbered or already over.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's tough because you hate to see a player bounce around like this at the end of their career uh if it is in fact the end of his career i maybe he's dealing with something that we don't know about and i don't really know there wasn't a whole hell of a lot of information that came out with this drop uh they they basically just said yep he was released that was it um and then finally, uh, the last surprising roster cut was Shaquem Griffin. Shaquem Griffin, um, the linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks, his brother Shaquille Griffin is one of the starting corners. Um, this was interesting because he was a, a defensive starter last year, and they, they cut him, but they did add him back to the practice squad. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it was interesting to see him get
1: cut from the active roster, though. Well yeah, it was it was definitely interesting because like you said, he was a starter last year. He's also really known for his special teams work. He's extremely fast, he has a nose for the ball, and he, he's really good on special teams. He's a great asset there. And I thought that would be a, a huge pickup for other teams, especially the Patriots. Bill loves his his special teams players, so I, I always thought about uh, him coming to the Patriots. But you know what? I think that he'll end up making his way back onto the active roster. He's a guy that knows the system that um, it, it can really help them out. And I, it makes sense that he's back on, on their practice squad, but no one's ever safe on a practice squad. Anybody can be scooped up at any time and brought onto an active roster, so they might want to move quick and, and get him back on the 53-man roster before it's too late.
0: Yeah, I, I know he loves playing with his brother, and he loves playing in Seattle. So, I, I would hate to see him leave, even if it is to join a team like the Patriots or somebody that I root for. But at this point, you know, at, Seattle has to do what they have to do. And if they if they saw something better from uh, another player, they wanted to keep him, keep that player stashed on their active roster versus putting them on the on the uh, practice squad. Excuse me. Um, So uh, after the surprising cuts, you know, we had to kind of take a look and reassess and excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Um, We have like we did last week with the AFC. So if you didn't see our AFC predictions, make sure to go back last week's uh, video. Uh, We did. Hey, Mike. uh, Yes.
1: Before we get there, how about we talk about the breaking news that happened earlier this week with Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins earlier today?
0: Oh well, let's, <laughs> let's do that. All right. So so let's I think break I might this down. Have lost over that.
1: But that's all right That's why I'm here to help you out. So okay. early earlier this week, we have, we finally got the news that Jadavion Clowney got signed to a team, and it was a really interesting one too because we had the Titans and the and the Saints who were involved in this, and the Saints were trying something really interesting. They were trying to get a a sign in trade with the Cleveland Browns, where the Cleveland Browns would sign them for fifteen million dollars, and they would. Take a five million dollar cap hit, and then they would trade him to the Saints, and the Saints would pay the, re- the remaining ten million dollars on the on the uh, contract, and and the the Saints would also trade over a player as well for yep. a second round pick. So the Browns would get a second round pick, take a, a cap hit, probably around fifteen to twenty million dollars. And then the and Clowney would be a saint, but the the NFL nixed that for some reason. They said, nope, we're not going to allow that. And that's really strange because it's been done in the past. I don't know why they wouldn't allow it now. But it did really didn't end up mattering because he went to the Tennessee Titans in the end. And uh, I I think that's a really good spot for him. I think that's a Mike Mike Vrabel is going to turn him into an absolute monster more than he already is. And and he's uh, opposite Vic Beasley. He's got. Uh, uh, st- Star linebackers in between them, that that off uh, defensive line, the whole defense is absolutely star-studded, and it just got even uh, even more scary. And you're in a division where your only competition is the Houston Texans. Uh, I, I don't even consider the the Indianapolis Colts a threat, but the Houston Texans are no match for them. I think Tennessee should have an easy time winning this division, and I think that make them it makes them a huge threat to win the entire conference and be the only uh the the first seed going to the playoffs that has a bye so yeah. it'll be really interesting it was very interesting
0: to me um i'm just looking at their roster uh after the acquisition so there you know you have daquan jones and jeffrey simmons as your defensive tackles um you have Jadavion Clowney and jack crawford as your defensive end And then your linebackers are Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, Harold Landry. And your defensive backs are Malcolm Butler, Adoree Jackson, Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard. I don't know of a more star-studded defense from top to bottom. I think the only one people are going to be like, who at would be Jack Crawford. And even still, they have plenty of depth behind those guys. So I think it remains that the Tennessee Titans... They had one of the strongest defenses in the in the NFL last year. They lost Logan Ryan, but they added Jadavion Clowney. So not only does the do the DBs not need to hold up as long, but but J- Jadavion Clowney now is hungry because he's got a one-year deal. He's on another prove-it deal again. Uh, he's not happy with his situation, and he's out for blood. And under Mike Vrabel, under the defensive scheme and the in the mind of Vrabel, he is going to absolutely be a beast and a machine, 100%. I, I love the signing for the Titans and hate it for everyone else.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah totally going to be a, a problem in the afc um hey if it means that the titans win it over or or can can help get past the chiefs i'm all for it can get past the ravens i'm all for it as long as it's not those two teams i'm all for it so well you know titans you know who that else <laughs> they have to get past is the
0: texans the texans beat them well last that's what year.
1: Yeah, I, and, I, and I I talked about that, but I still don't think that the Texans are a match for this team, and we didn't even see the Titans become the Titans until Ryan Tannehill took over. Now we're getting Tannehill with a, a, a brand new contract and a full season in this uh, in the system. I think it's perfect. You got A.J. Brown as a second-year player, all, all those young guys. Derrick Henry is back with this team. They only lost one offensive lineman, but replaced him with somebody who could probably play just as well or... or close to it so i think this team is going to improve from on last year and we only got a glimpse of what they're what they're capable of because they only had a fraction of a season to to do what they uh they could so right. there, there's a there's a lot they're going to prove the season and it, it's going to be a nightmare for the rest of the afc
0: yeah for sure um, and like I said, they have to get past the, the Houston Texans. The Texans last year had DeAndre Hopkins, and they don't have him anymore. DeAndre Hopkins now in Arizona. In Arizona, uh, just giving DeAndre Hopkins a new two-year, $54.5 million uh, contract extension with $42.5 million guaranteed. He now becomes the, high, the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. And not only that, but this is probably the most intriguing part. He negotiated the deal himself no agent no lawyer no nothing he negotiated this deal on his own behalf taking matters into his own hands he wanted to stay in arizona they want him obviously they got him for a damn steal might as well pay the damn pay the guy um and you know at this point in time they said, let, let's lock him up. He is now signed for many, many years uh, and will probably uh, end his career as, as an Arizona
1: Cardinal. Yeah, no, this is a great, great signing for the Cardinals. This is a guy that uh, he, he has. I, I just saw a statistic before that. He, between the years of like 2009 and 2019, he has the longest consecutive streak of, of uh of receptions without a drop, and it was two hundred and twenty-five. And the second person, I think, it was Randall Cobb, who had one hundred and nineteen at second, who was less than or just, uh, just, just under about half. half just under half of, of DeAndre Hopkins that's absolutely incredible and i know DeAndre Hopkins wants to make up for last season where he had a couple drops in the end zone and i know that's on the top of his mind and he wants to make up for that and now he still he, he goes from Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray that's a that's pretty awesome if you, if uh, if i say so, I may say so myself that that uh, you can't ask for much of a better situation and, and then you your opposite Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk in the slot Uh, You know, this this fast paced offense that they're going to be running is going to be uh, perfect for him. It's going to be extremely tough for the rest of the NFC, Uh, probably one of the most deep uh, offenses in the league and a, a true nightmare for for any defensive coordinator out there.
0: Yeah, this really um, secures his long-term tenure with the team, and, uh, you know, this is one less thing on his mind. Now he knows that he's locked up, he can focus on football, and he's going to terrorize the NFC West for a long time. Uh, Speaking of terrorizing the NFC West, uh, let's take a look at the NFC predictions. I don't want to go too much longer um, because we we ran into this issue last week. (laughs) Um, So for those of you who are sticking around through the end, we really appreciate it. Uh, We're going to go through the NFC predictions pretty quickly. Um, So I'm going to start off with the NFC East. Uh, Obviously, my Cowboys will be at number one. Uh, I have them winning the division. I have the Eagles at number two, uh, but missing the playoffs. Every every team outside of the Cowboys will be missing the playoffs. Uh, the, The Eagles at two, the Giants at three. Uh, and Washington at four. The Eagles just have too many injuries to to keep up with the Cowboys at this point in time. They're trying to place players all over the place. They're trying to just kind of figure things out and hold. I think that that uh, rushing offense took a step back, even though it's Miles Sanders. They had Sanders and Jordan Howard last year. I think that took a step back a little bit um, until they get Miles Sanders. He, you know he's injured right now. Uh, things are really aren't going their way, and we have we still haven't seen a full season of car. And Wentz truly being healthy. So um, at this point, you know, I, I can't really rely on the Eagles to get it done. the The Giants they are trending in the right direction. They look really well. That offense looks great. My biggest concern with them is on the defensive side of the ball. The linebackers and the DBs they they concern me a lot because it seems like the depth and their ability to you know work with the the other. You know, against the other teams in their division is they're really going to struggle. The Giants lost DeAndre Baker, who was arrested for felony armed robbery, um, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, he was recently officially released by the Giants today, um, you know they have a lot of questions and they still need to figure those out they thought deandre baker would be that guy clearly he's not and now that free agency is over they they really have they they got logan ryan that's a great step but they still have to figure things out and then washington they're still in rebuild mode we don't even know if Dwayne haskins is going to be that guy they got some they got some true burners um you know, they got Terry McLaurin and, and uh, Steve Sims at wide receiver. They got those running backs, that the, the whole horde of running backs that we talked about before. And that defense looks really scary up until you get, to, again, to the defensive backs where it seems like they're going to be struggling. So um, that's what I have for the NFC East. Nick, do you disagree?
1: Yeah, so I'm a little bit different. I have the Cowboys winning the division, but this is where it gets interesting. I have the Giants at number two. I think they're going to be better than the Eagles. I think if they can stay healthy, they have one of the best offenses in the league. And, yes, I, I believe that. I th- with Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, an improved offensive line, and, and then there, Darius Slayton, uh, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate as your receivers, Daniel Jones can't go wrong with this offense. They just need to stay healthy. This team is something special. And I think you're forgetting about James Bradbury and that defense uh, backroom with Logan Ryan. I think that the two of them together are going to be a problem for the rest of the a- NFC East. And I think that's they're, they're really going to help. They still have Leonard Williams. The, they, ha- they just got Blake Martinez. There are players at each level of this defense that can really help them out. You don't need to have stars at every single position, but they have leaders at every single level, and I think that's all they need to be successful. And it's a great foundation to go off of moving forward. I really Really like what the Giants are doing. I have high hopes for them this season. The Eagles' offense is just in shambles. I don't know what they can do at this point. They need to just hope and pray for the best. Honestly, I don't know what to think of it other than that. And Washington, Ron Rivera is doing a great job so far of changing the culture there. He, I, I, I couldn't have asked more from any other uh, any coach uh, from what he's done in that organization. It's a, it's a rebuild for sure. It's gonna take some time, and I think he's made the most of this year one uh, before year one has even un, uh, begun. So props to Ron Rivera, props to the rest of the organization for making the strides they they've needed to for such a long time. But you know what? This is year one of a, probably a five year rebuild. Uh, you know, I think it's it's just it's not gonna be the year, and they're gonna get some really good help in the in the draft. So. Uh, it's gonna be a rough one, but just look look for the bright side, and uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna look good at some point. Just uh, just not now. Yeah, this ain't the year. Um. The NFC
0: North, I'm looking at it. We have the same list, uh, so I'm gonna go through the first two and then I'll let you jump on the last two. So the first two, uh, we have the division winner as the Packers. Uh, I think the Packers did a pretty good job of addressing that defense a little bit. Um, they pretty much just stayed the same, honestly. For you know, they didn't really lose too many pieces, and I think that's where you see these other teams kind of faltering. They didn't lose too many pieces. They didn't. Add too many pieces. They kind of just stayed the same. And if you can expect the same from Aaron Rodgers, I, I, you know, a, a fully healthy Aaron Rodgers uh, and a pissed off Aaron Rodgers at that. Um, you know, they, they have some weapons. You got obviously Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, those those boys, they, they know how to. How to uh, win their routes and, and go up for 50-50 balls uh, They got the, the, the uh, Running back duo In Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones Those guys are going to get theirs uh, And I think they're just going to run That division. The Vikings They lost too many players for me To, to want to get them to uh, n- Not only win the division but Personally I don't see them making the playoffs uh, I think the Vikings lost They th- lost three of their starting four Corners um, And they also uh, lost their starting defensive end in Everson Griffin, who's now in Dallas. So, you... Uh, oh, and Linval Joseph, the starting nose tackle, is now in Los Angeles. So you lost a lot of key pieces on defense, and to keep up with a team like the Packers, you're going to need every defensive piece you possibly can. They didn't address that in in the off season, and at at this point in time, it's a little scary to think about that they 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 have you know some major. Holes to fill on the back end and the front end of that defense. Um, I just don't see them being able to progress like they did. They also, you know, the big loss that everybody's going to talk about. Stephon Diggs, he's in Buffalo now. You you drafted Jeffer, Justin Jefferson. I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's literally Stephon Diggs 2.0. But he's still a rookie. He's going to take some time. He's going to get need some time to get up to speed. Um, I, I I don't like the Vikings this year.
1: Yeah, and then the Lions at three, this is a team that has a lot of potential. I think Matt Patricia has made a, a lot of big strides, and early on in the offseason, I thought that the, Matt Patricia was a guy who was on the hot seat, but now that oh, everything I've heard out of uh, the organization, this guy has finally gone through to his players, and this is a guy who's finally changing the culture in Detroit, which is which is exactly what they need. They've gotten enough players in there that know, ha, ha, are familiar with how he works and are are ready to do what he wants to do so i think that this is going to be a different detroit lions football team this year and now you got adrian peterson who is known to be an extremely hard worker he fits the mold perfectly you add another type matt patricia type player on this team i think they can really make some big strides this season i'm not i'm not looking back from from years past this is a different team and and they're going to be much much improved and then the bears all i have to say is mitch trubisky is the starting quarterback For this team, and that's it. Like, what else is there to say? Allen Robinson. But I think just he be- out of a war of attrition, I don't think Nick Foles is, no, he, and you know. Yeah, Matt Nagy needs to ride or, ride or die by, by Matt, uh, Mitch Trubisky at this point. And unfortunately, he's he's going to die. Mitch Trubisky is not going to show any improvement uh, unless, you know, he, he's born again. Like, literally, I don't know what else could be done. But uh, Alan Robinson is his only receiver. Uh, you have Jimmy Graham as a tight end. That's great, but I think he's washed up. Um, uh, Other than that, David Montgomery's hurt. You don't even have a running back. Tariq Cohen can't do anything besides catch the ball. He's not a real running back. You might as well throw him at receiver. Cordero Patterson is a receiver, but he's going to be your RB1 to start the year. So this is just this team's in shambles. The defense is still uh, amazing. But what, what good is a defense if it doesn't have an offense that can score for them? Unless it's the Patriots defense from last year where they scored more than the offense. I don't see this team winning much at all.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree. I think that's a a big reason why we have the same exact list here for the NFC North. Uh, Moving on to the NFC West, uh, we have very different lists. Um, So... I start off with my division winner is the San Francisco 49ers. I think they pick up where they left off last year. They lost a couple key pieces, but they had an incredible draft. Um, they, they picked up some some key roster spots that they needed to fill. Uh, th- my biggest concern with them is the wide receivers, but it doesn't matter. They have the three-headed rushing attack anyway. So with that being said, it looks like you know they're going to just run the ball down everybody's throats and hope for the best. Jimmy G is going to be a game manager, like I called him last year, again. To me, game manager is not a, a negative issue. A negative comment It's simply somebody who plays the game that needs to be played be, because, you know, they, they do check down routes and wh- whatever the case is. So I think Jimmy G can, is going to fit this mold really well. I think the 49ers come out on top. That defense is just incredible. Uh Then you go up north to Seattle. I think the Seahawks have a great team. That offense looks super explosive with Chris Carson back fully healthy. You have uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf ready to break out. Uh, They added Greg Olson at tight end. Uh, They just re-signed... Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, who's applying for reinstatement, while he's waiting, uh, they still have Philip Dorsett, who was a really productive player in New England and and in Indianapolis. So they they have a really good number number three. Um, that rushing attack is going to be incredible, though. Russell Wilson, you know who he is. He he's an
1: MVP candidate every single Let's year. Say, say with me, Mike. Say with me, Mike. Mister Unlimited. No, I'm not going to say that. That's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: um mr unlimited (laughs) no No shot um number three i have the arizona cardinals i just think that the cardinals they're in the right direction they obviously got deandre hopkins at a steal he they're they're looking hungry they're looking ready i think that they're going to have a winning record i think they're going to have a really good record um you know i i just think that that defense is a little young it's a little raw you have some you have some great pieces out there like chandler jones who is a top sack getter in in the league every single year um that you know you have isaiah simmons you have buddha baker those guys on the defensive back end are really going to help you out um I just think that they need a little more work, maybe a little more uh roster upgrades and and then they'll be able to buy for the uh NFC championship or NFC West Championship. Uh and then fourth I had the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, you know, they they lost a couple pieces. They you know, they haven't really added too much. The they haven't done anything that excites me and now every team around them has gotten much stronger i think that the rams they're not a bad team by any stretch i still think they'll have a winning record uh they're just they're in a very they're in what quite possibly the toughest division in football um and i think they have a lot to learn i think jared goff is going to get a rude awakening this year um those those boys are going to need some help and you know I, I've seen some some of the clips coming from uh training camp as far as uh um, hard knocks HBO's hard knocks is concerned but um you know the, the Rams no Todd Gurley is, is going to be a struggle uh that rushing attack I don't believe in w- without uh, a star piece uh, I haven't seen Goff take the load that I need him to as far as the offense is concerned uh, and then the defense, you know, Aaron Donald, All Pro. You don't have to worry about him. You got Jalen Ramsey on the back end. He's going to do his thing. That that you know, he he knows how to do his work. Um, that they, they have plenty of pieces and, and a lot of a lot of guys. But I just don't. Again, I don't think they're as strong as their counterparts
1: in in the division. <laughs> Yeah, so real quick, I have the Seahawks actually winning this division. I think that they have improved immensely. You actually mentioned a guy I haven't even thought about. It was a former Patriot, Philip Dorsett. I I completely forgot about this guy that's on the team. It's all been Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Who's the wide receiver one? Does it really matter? They're both wide receiver ones in their own right, and that's great for Russell Wilson. This guy, Russell Wilson, is amazing. We've seen him do amazing things with absolutely nobody on the field. Now he has a... A uh, future Hall of Famer and Greg Olson at tight end. He has two wide receiver ones on his team with Philip Dorsett and uh, Josh Gordon right in the background. And then Chris Carson apparently has been looking stellar in Seattle this offseason. So there's extreme high hopes for him. You had Jam- Jamal uh, Jamal Adams in uh, a trade earlier this offseason. You still have Bobby Wagner. Uh, Shaquille Griffin is going to improve. Uh, I, I Jeron Reid's still back there. I, you know, this team has made great strides. Pete Carroll's a great coach. I have immense hopes for this team. And I think they're, they have enough to get past the 49ers because of this reason, the 49ers are number two, because their wide receivers are just hurt. They're all hurt. Debo Samuel looks like he might play week one, but he's coming back from a Liz Frank injury, and and that's not something you want to rush back. If they if he does get rushed back, and he gets re-injured again, he could be up for the entire season, and that's going to ruin them completely. They, they drafted receivers. They're all hurt. They had receivers from past years. They're all hurt. They brought in receivers. They got hurt. There's just nobody. There's absolutely nobody. You, 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 you have Jarek McKinnon, who's looked great, coming back two back-to-back years, torn ACLs. That's never that's never a good sign. But apparently, he's looked great. You sell for him, most and Tevin Coleman. That, you have great running backs, but you can only have one running the ball at at a time, and, and you've you got. <laughs> unless they're ripping this ball in half and running with it uh you know what um i i just don't believe in this offense the defense can do all they want but again i'm gonna i'm gonna look back at what the patriots were last year they were all defense and no offense and that's exactly what the niners are gonna be i just don't think they have enough to get back past seattle and they barely had enough to get past seattle last year but now it's just so lopsided. I think Seattle is the clear victor in this division. And then the Cardinals, I think they've done so much to improve, ah, so much, more than any other team. And I think they're going to make great strides. Cliff Kingsbury has an, uh, one of the best rosters uh, uh, in the NFL right now. And I think with his style of offense, they're going to put up a ton of points. And this defense is going to be extremely hard to score against. A gr- I, I think it's going to take some time for them to get going, but once they do, it's going to be a nightmare to stop, if at all. And then the Rams, I think they're the odd one out in this scenario. I, I just don't – I think they've lost too many pieces on defense. Aaron Donald, he, he's still amazing, but everybody has kind of figured out how to stop him a little bit. Uh, he's he's not completely stoppable, obviously, but he's definitely not an unstoppable machine like he used to be. And then on offense, you know, you lost Brandon Cooks. That That's one – receiver um, on top of Cooper Cup and and Robert Woods that you know he's it's just not you need as many wide receivers as possible to be a threat and they're just losing receivers Tyler Higby and um, Gerald Everett they're they're not threats to any team right now I I just don't see it and then Chris Sean McVay already said that they they're running um, uh, uh, running back by committee with the three running backs they have. So that just proves to me, none of them have done enough to show that they are the true RB one. I don't have hopes for this Rams team. I don't think they're going to be that good. So I have them last. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: and then quickly just down to the NFC South. Um, we pretty much have the same list, uh, but we bl- both believe that the Buccaneers are going to win this division. Obviously, adding Tom Brady
1: easily, <laughs> easily
0: adding Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy to that offense. Um, you you have your offensive line intact. Uh, just to, you know, they they've done everything right. Bruce is leading this team. They have sold out for this year. They are all in for. 2020 and possibly 2021 uh but outside of that they are going to have to rebuild once again <laughs> uh, but they are you know what that's a, a different issue for a different time at this point uh, that defense looks elite levante david devin white um you name it th- those guys are ready shaq to
1: go. barrett jason pierre paul yeah, yep. it, yeah. It,
0: and it keeps on going yep uh and then I have the Saints uh coming in at number two uh obviously Drew Brees and and Alvin Kamara uh Michael Thomas that that big three in New Orleans knows how to score the ball at will uh they can really just you know shake up any any team and then uh the defensive excuse me the defensive side of the ball Marshawn Lattimore uh really really helping them out Demario Davis at linebacker doing doing good things um I don't have to talk too much about the Saints. Y'all know who who what you're getting when when the Saints take the field. Um and then at number three, I have the Panthers. I know they have Teddy B at, at quarterback, and he's still a little unproven as a, as a full time starter, uh, but they still have Christian McCaffrey, who is by far not only the best fantasy player, but I think the best running back in the league uh, just because of his versatility, his ability to utilize the entire field. He can line up at any position, he knows every single position that he can. He can line up a tight end, wide receiver and not just, like, you know, the outside, but he can do the slot. He can line up at fullback, halfback, whatever, you know, whatever you need him to do. Um, and then that defense, you know, they lost a couple pieces, but they they keep on chugging. You know, that, that defense seems to always figure it out. They, they're they always a top-ten defense, and the Panthers know, know what they're doing on that side of the ball. Um, and then finally the Falcons. I just think that the Falcons – they added Todd Gurley to the offense, but nothing about this team really excites me outside of Julio Jones. Um, they lost Vic Beasley. They don't really have a whole hell of a lot as far as like defense is concerned. I I don't know there to me there's not much to look forward to with Atlanta I think that they need to kind of break it up and they need to start looking toward uh, a rebuild
1: sooner rather than later yeah I mean I like you said I have the Bucks and Saints as well in that order and then the only difference between us is I have the Falcons in third I love this offense I think Todd Gurley is going to be reborn I think that he's going to be the Todd Gurley of old they already said that he's going to get 20 to 25 snaps as a rusher I can't imagine Imagine what he's going to do in the past game. You still have Calvin Ridley, who they think is going to be an absolute stud, and Julio Jones, who's arguably the best receiver in the game. Um, so uh, the only question I have is, can this defense hold up? And that, that's been a question for a couple of years. I don't think they've really done anything to improve it, but I think this offense has enough star power to, to really get this team to past the panthers in the division and i think the panthers you know they've made the switch to teddy bridgewater this off season but it looks like if he fails this one year they're ready to move on from him and, and get one in the get a new quarterback in the draft which is really strange to me which shows to me that they don't really have that much uh that much um trust trust in him thank you so I, I just I don't believe in it. The, this defense, they lost Luke Keekley, the heart and soul of this defense. I think that's going to be a lot to overcome in this one year. You add Derek Brown, who's a great defensive tackle, but you lost Gerald McCoy and Dantari Poe last year. So what are you doing? You're, you're kind of just replacing those guys. So you're not really improving. You just released F.A. Obato for some stupid reason. F.A. Obato was a great, he was kind of a sack machine for a little bit there last year with uh, Carolina, and you just released him for no reason. So uh, after roster cuts, I don't understand that one. You lost James Bradbury. There's just a lot of holes on this defense. I don't see the the depth out on offense. You add Robbie Anderson and you have DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel's okay. Uh, but I think this offense still runs through, Curt- uh, through uh, CMC. And Christian McCaffrey... you know what I don't want to be pessimistic but I think that I don't think it can go on forever I I don't think anybody has that ability last time we saw this was Bo Jackson and we saw him go from 100% to zero overnight and I don't think that's going to happen for for CMC but I don't think that he's going to be able to keep this up forever so what we'll see what what the rest of the offense can do but it's definitely not going to be enough to get past the rest of the division
0: yeah I think there's a lot to to take in, but overall uh, you know these are our predictions. chalk 'em up we're gonna revisit these at the at the halfway point of the season, and then we'll revisit them again at the end of the season. See where we kind of stand um We also gave some bold predictions uh so I'm gonna just mine. I believe three out of the four NFC West teams will make the playoffs. This will be the first time that a division has three teams in the playoffs since 2007. Now, mind you, we are playing with this is the first year with the extended playoffs. So that's why I believe that this will happen. I believe that the NFC West, uh, you're talking about the 49ers, like I said, will win the division. I have the Seahawks and the Cardinals getting uh, uh wildcard spots with the Saints getting another wildcard spot. I don't know exactly the order. I didn't really go that far in depth, but I do believe this will be the first time since 2007 three teams from the same division will reach the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and then I think I think this one's really interesting. I have the Bucks going sixteen and zero, perfect season for Tom Brady once again. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna happen. I love this team. I am in love with this roster. Like you said, the Bucks are all in, and they did it right. They just got Leonard Fournette, and I think that's the icing on the cake for this one. I, the the defense is stellar. The only hole you could point to is the DBs, but who needs them when you have that pass rush? You know what, you add Antoine Winfield, who's one of the best ball hawks coming out of the, the draft. He he could be the next like Earl Thomas for all we know. Uh, who knows? I, I have high hopes for this defense. But the offense, Tom Brady has all the weapons and then some. This is the, the best offense he's ever played in. Yes, he's it's better than the 07 Patriots offense. I think that he's going to do amazing things. And whenever he feels like handing the rock off, he's got Rojo and Leonard Fournette there to take the ball. And that's scary when, when it's just them by themselves on that offense, let alone when they have those wide receivers to offset what they want to do on the ground. So this team, this Bucks team, is going to go so far. I'm, I'm almost there to say they're going to go 19-0, and but not just yet. So as of right now, I have them going 16-0. and Perfect season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
0: And, again, obviously our bold predictions are based on the fact that, you know, this is barring injury or anything that major that happens. Um, But I do have some breaking news about some major news. Uh, It looks like all-pro outside linebacker Von Miller – suffered a serious lower leg injury and might be out for the entire season uh as of this point this is breaking news coming from uh espn uh it looks like he might have done something to his ankle and uh he was carded off and they're getting him an mri as fast as possible because they're saying it does not look good for him
1: if we look back, I know there, there's been injuries recently where players, ha- it, uh, I think it was David Montgomery, it looked like it was way worse than it was. They carded him off, but they were just being precautionary, and, and he'll be back this season. So hopefully it's the same thing. I wish all the best. Good luck to Von Miller getting back as quick as possible. This Denver team is can be something special, and they need him as much as they can possibly get him. So quick recovery.
0: I, I I agree, and I share the same sentiment. Yeah. Recovery, um, so we we just want to finish off today's episode. I know it's a long one for you guys, um, but we have superlatives. So I'm just going to go – we're just going to go through um, – I'm gonna start off with the MVP. Um, we, I have Patrick Mahomes. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I think he's one of the best players in the league. His entire team thrives on his ability to do his job at, at an absolute uh, top-tier level. And I think he's just he—he's an MVP candidate every year. I see the Chiefs doing really well in the AFC this year, and you know, no surprise that the AP will will vote him as the MVP.
1: Yeah, and I have the man, the myth, the goat. Tom Brady, he's going 16-0. and 0. You can't give it to anybody else but the guy who put together a perfect season once again. At 43 years old, Tom Brady is your MVP.
0: Uh, offensive player of the year. This is if they, a lot of times offensive player of the year is replicated by the MVP. If the, if it is not replicated, uh, I have Ezekiel Elliott. I have, uh, I think Zeke is going to absolutely light this league on fire. Everybody's so worried about the passing game that Prescott's out here to prove a point. He's got Amari Cooper, CD lamb, Michael Gallup. Uh, those guys are incredible. Um, but don't forget about good old Zeke. Zeke, can you know, tear apart a defense all on his own. And now you've added, you know, DBs. Kinda, they can't cheat in the box a little. They have to play. They have to play a little more conservative with with all the wide receivers around. Look for him to do really well. I could possibly see a 2,000 yard season out of him. That's another bold prediction.
1: Wow. Now, I'm going to stick with the same team, and I have Dak Prescott winning Offensive Player of the Year. This guy has three perennial all-stars on this team. I think that he can do something special. He wants to get three 1,000-yard receivers, and I think he's going to do just that and then some. Blake Jarwin is a guy who's uh, a tight end in the making, a star in the making. He's going to get his fair share as well. And then Zeke coming out of the backfield, another great passing weapon along with Tony Pollard. So, So many weapons Dak Prescott's going to do special things he was a monster last year and he's gonna be a monster again this year
0: uh, for defensive player of the year, I have TJ Watt. Uh, TJ Watt, the younger of the Watt brothers out in Pittsburgh. I think he's just a phenomenal player. He does so much for that defense. He drops in coverage. He rushes the passer. He plays the run. Uh, he does it all all from the outside linebacker position. Uh, he is one of the most versatile defenders out there. Uh, he can do everything. He He's top five in sacks every year. Uh, he, he can get interceptions. Uh, he does literally everything they ask of him. I think the AP understands that and when they vote on this TJ Watt is going to be the defensive player of the year
1: my defensive player of the year is Chandler Jones finally Chandler Jones gets his spotlight he is going to get he might get the sack record this year with Isaiah Simmons there, Buda Baker with that new contract. I think this this defense is something special. He got nineteen and a half last year. I could see him getting 22 sacks this year and breaking the record and finally getting what he's rightly deserved. The defensive player of the year award. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I believe we have the same, the, the only real uh, idea for this um, would be Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, It usually is going to go to a rookie quarterback because, you know, they're going to fill out the stat sheet more than anybody else. Joe Burrow, obviously the only rookie quarterback that's truly starting for their team uh, from game one, and he's there to help turn a franchise around. And if he can win, you know five games or more in cincinnati they're going to call it a big win and you know the the franchise is revitalized uh so Houday nation is going to be back and uh, i think at that point they'd have to give the offensive rookie of the year to joe burrow
1: yeah i mean if joe if uh, kyler murray can win it when only winning about five or six games in the season then joe burrow definitely can win this award so i don't see anybody else who can get it joe burrow is the clear victor in this scenario For sure.
0: Um, Defensive Rookie of the Year, you know, number two pick, Chase Young, incredible. I mean, Washington has probably the best front seven out there, the youngest best front seven out there, if you will. Um, You know, again, we talked about the holes on their defense, but Chase Young is going to absolutely be a game changer for this organization he is going to just get his I believe he is one of the next superstars in this league you talk about a Von Miller You talk about a J.J. Watt in his prime you talk about those guys Aaron Donald who can rush the passer this guy is going to do absolutely everything run game rush the passer look for him to get upwards of 15 or more sacks this year
1: yeah and I have I have Chase Young I think that he's going to be an absolute stud. The team's not going to do that great, but Chase Young, he's better than, than Nick Bosa. Yes, you call me Nick Bosa hater again. I don't Nick really Nick Bosa hate hater. It. Hey, I, and I'll even say he's better than Joey Bosa. So there's that. Nick Bosa uh, better than Joey. <laughs> no, and Chase Young is going to be an absolute monster for this team. That front seven was disgusting to begin with, and they just got that much more dangerous. He's going to be filthy and probably give Chandler Jones a run for the sack leader uh, this 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 year.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, comeback player of the year. I think this is a pretty no-brainer. Uh, Cam Newton, quarterback, from my New England Patriots. Um, you know, you're talking about a player who was riddled with injuries last year. He signed a veteran like a veteran minimum deal to come to new england uh incentive based deal to come into new england and he's looking to tear heads apart i'm very excited about this uh, this idea um and i think he's just gonna light the league on fire all honestly all he has to do is show that you know he's a competent quarterback and i think he wins this this
1: uh award very easily yeah, I fully agree. Unless Gronk goes and grabs 15 touchdowns this season, I don't see anybody else winning it besides Cam Newton. Uh, you know, the, This guy is a man on a mission. He has been extremely hardworking this offseason. He has done what he's had to to prove so far that he is back to 100%, and he's about to go prove it this Sunday that he is the former MVP, the guy that we all used to call one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he's going to be named Comeback Player of the Year.
0: Yeah for sure
1: um the one
0: reward uh sorry the one award that we didn't do for those of you who are like super into football you'll understand this the walter payton man of the year award that's that's something that you really can't predict (laughs) i mean j you can say jj watt because he does so much but you know the fact remains is that this is voted on by the players um they they give their finalist from their team and then it's voted on from then then on so uh we can't really predict what's going to happen and And, you know, if if major tragedy strikes, God forbid, uh, an area of this country, usually they give it to a player in that area who does the most to help that situation. Um, And then so but the final uh, award that we will be giving out would be coach of the year. Uh, I have Cliff Kingsbury getting it, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. With DeAndre Hopkins there, he's he's got another year under his belt with Kyler Murray. These guys are going to light the league on fire if they make the playoffs, like I project that they will. Uh, They're going to show everybody that you know they need to be taken seriously. That the NFC West is the strongest division in the league, and that uh, you know it's time that the Arizona Cardinals get back in, into the swing of things. Um, Cliff Kingsbury is going to single-handedly turn this team around. Uh, And I I fully expect that to happen this year.
1: Yeah, and if you remember my bold prediction from last week, it was – the Buffalo Bills versus the Cleveland Browns in the AFC championship game. And I have Sean McDermott winning coach of the year. If you're a coach that can get past bill Belichick and make it to the AFC championship game, then you deserve this award. Sean McDermott has been making great strides over the last few years to get this builds team where they are today. And they have all the talent in the world to get past the, the Patriots and, and into the limelight. And it's all thanks to Sean McDermott. It's finally time for him to get some credit where, and, it's it's some well-earned credit at that for sure
0: all right guys uh thank you for tuning in it was a long one tonight uh you know we we had a lot to talk about i hope you guys enjoyed it Uh, make sure to uh hit the like button uh like comment subscribe if you're not already subscribed uh we're we got a couple things in the works uh next week Look out! We we definitely got some new new things for you. Um, I hope you guys are excited as we are. Make sure to keep talking to us. Check out our TikTok. We are now on TikTok. Uh, we every, you know we this is a weekly show, so we can't always get to everything. We wanted to be able to talk with you guys, be you know be, between each week. We do that on Twitter and now on TikTok. So check out our TikTok. It's Trash Talk Sports underscore. Uh, make sure to give us a follow, like our videos. Um, if you want to talk to us, we're, we're in the comment section. We're talking with people. We we absolutely love it. Um, if you're listening on on the podcast, uh, make sure to give us a like. If you if you like what you hear, subscribe. Uh, we definitely appreciate all the support and all the love that you guys give us. Um, you know. And with this week, everything coming up, football is back, baby. Thursday night football kicks it off. Kansas City versus Houston. Give us your predictions. We're going to have a couple Twitter polls going up. Make sure you're checking out the Twitter. All right? Uh, Tell somebody you love them. Peace and love, baby.